Thank you very much, Ivan and Steve. Come to the main message uh, of our service today, and as Greg Williams said, we're going to listen to the word of truth. Not me, God's word. <laughs> so let's get our Bibles out and prepare to, to, to listen and to hear, and we'll start with prayer. Lord, as we open our Bibles now, we know that this is the word of truth. And help us to be encouraged by it, help us to learn, help us never to take ex uh, for granted the tremendous blessing we have of reading with understanding. That's something you've given to us and you've granted to us. So uh, help us to put that to use today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to start off today by turning to the Gospel of John in chapter 6 and uh, read a verse here that I think most of us are familiar with, and we're going to delve into it a little bit uh, and, and understand more deeply what Jesus meant here. And it's John 6, verse 44. Uh, Jesus was uh, speaking, he was preaching about being the bread of life. Some people were accepting what he said, some people were rejecting it. Uh, those who rejected him thought that he may be just some sort of fly-by-night uh, rabbi traveling around and, and trying to teach people. And he was showing that his teaching had authority, that he came from God, he was sent by God, and he's speaking the words of the Father. And this is what he said, as he said in verse 43, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me <clears throat> draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus was saying, this is not just me preaching my own ideas. I was sent by the Father, and, and these people that are starting to follow me now, my disciples, have actually been drawn by the Father to me. That's why they're following me. Because God the Father has drawn them to me. Now this same verse applies to us because we're Jesus' disciples. We're his followers. Uh, and the same truth holds true for each and every one of us, that we came to Jesus because God the Father drew us personally to Jesus. Amen. And that's an awesome thing to consider. The fact that God knows us individually and our calling wasn't just happenstance. It wasn't just kind of a, a general calling that went out there and we responded to it. No, in, in a certain way, God the Father himself chose us and drew us to Jesus personally. This word for draw is a Greek word, helkua, which means to draw or in some cases, to drag. <laughs> now, I like that because when it comes to God drawing us, perhaps sometimes he's had to drag us to Jesus Christ. Uh, this same word for draw is used elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, I won't turn there, but in John 21, verse 6, John 21, verse 6, the same word, helqua, is used to describe the men catching a huge catch with a net of fish and laboring to drag it to shore. So think 
that maybe sometimes God uses that same effort in dragging some people to Jesus Christ, not just drawing them, but indeed dragging them, kicking and screaming. Because it's God's purpose for them to be called, it's God's purpose for them to come to Jesus, but sometimes us, we in our stubbornness, you know, put up a fuss and we kick and fight, but nevertheless God is determined. And he's determined to draw us to Jesus Christ putting forth all the effort that he has. Understand, too, that when it comes to dragging this net of fish in, it's all based on the effort of the men dragging it in. The net itself puts forth no effort. It's the men who drag it in. In the same way, our calling is all God's effort. It's all God's effort. Certainly, we respond to that calling, but God is the one who initiates the calling, and he is the one who puts the major effort forth in bringing us to Jesus Christ, in drawing us to salvation. Some come willingly, and some are dragged, even unwillingly. But when it's God's time to choose somebody to come to Jesus Christ, God the Father is relentless, and he, put for, he puts forth whatever... Uh, effort is necessary to do that. Let me ask the question, why does the Father need to draw us to Jesus Christ? Why does the Father need to draw us to salvation? And the simple answer is, if he didn't, we would never come. If God didn't draw us to Jesus Christ, we would never come to him. Because the carnal man and woman has no ability to come to Jesus, nor does he have the desire to come to Jesus. That's the carnal person that we all used to be. So God the Father has to intervene and begin that drawing process as he brings us to Jesus Christ. God's word teaches us that the carnal man has no ability to come to Jesus, nor does he have the desire. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. Romans 5 and verse 10. The Apostle Paul says this, For if when we were God's enemies, so before we were drawn to Jesus Christ, we were God's enemies because we were totally carnal. He says, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So because of the carnal heart that we all experienced, the carnal heart that is hard and the carnal person's mind is darkened, the carnal person doesn't desire God and is actually the enemy of God. That's the state that we were all in previous to our calling. It says back in the Old Testament, I won't turn there, but Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that so darkened is the unsaved person's heart that he doesn't even realize it. Who can, who can understand the heart? The heart is dark. Uh, the heart lies. You know, our heart lies to us sometimes when we're in our carnality. We don't have the ability to come to Jesus Christ, and we don't have the ability to come to salvation. We think we're okay as we are. You know, we get frustrated sometimes sharing the gospel with others or just, 
coming in contact with people at work or maybe people in our own family, our relatives, and we wonder why they don't have a desire to know God and to learn about God. Well, they're still dealing in many cases with the carnal heart. The carnal heart dwells in darkness. They don't care that much about God. They don't have a desire to learn more, certainly not to give their lives to God. So it is only by the mercifulness and graciousness of God drawing us to Jesus Christ that we are saved. Theologians talk about two different kinds of callings. First of all, there's what they call a general calling, a sense in which God draws all people. And that's described in uh, Romans 1 and verse 20. Romans 1, verse 20. You know, there's something about God's creation that shows us that an intelligent being brought this all into existence. When we look at human beings and the way we're made, uh, the intricate detail in our bodies, in our minds, how, how we operate as a human being, uh, there's, there's wisdom there, there's intelligence there, uh, there's beauty there. When we look at the, the world in, in and of itself, on a day like today, the sun shining, the green uh, foliage, the blue sky, the white puffy clouds, there's something of that that speaks of God. <laughs> that you know, this planet is so different from the moon, it's so different from Mars, it's so different from Venus. This planet seems to have been prepared somehow for us to dwell on this planet. I don't know about you, but I have no desire to dwell on any of the other planets in our solar system. I've seen pictures of them. I don't wanna go there. You know, some people these days are so determined to set up some sort of a town or a village on the moon or, or to go to Mars and to, you know, establish a camp there. Well, good luck. <laughs> Send me a postcard. I like it here. I have no desire to leave here. The beauty, uh, you know, the colors, the, the life on, on this planet. I think that it was prepared specifically for us by God. He brought it into existence. He designed it in such a way that it's so appealing to us. Uh, we can live here comfortably with, with no uh, dangers. I mean, there's plenty of oxygen to breathe, sunlight to, to shine down on us. I have no desire to go elsewhere. Notice what uh, Paul says here in Romans 1, verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So does God exist? Well, God in his creation has made it clear that he exists. As we look around with our intelligent minds, we ask ourselves, how did this all come to be? Where did I come from? You know, God supplies answers for us in his word. He's the creator. He brought us into existence and breathed the breath of life in us. All of this has been made for our benefit. So he says, you know what? In my creation, with the minds that I've given you, you should be able to put two and two together so that you're without excuse. You don't believe in God you're a fool, he says in his word. So that's kind of a general calling. 
The existence of God is all around us. We should see it in everything that we are and everything that, that he has created. His eternal power and his divine nature are clearly seen and understood from what he has created. There's another scripture back in the, the Psalms, Psalm 19. Remember the scripture that says, The heavens God's glory do declare, the sky his handiwork teach. We used to sing a song uh, with those words in it years and years ago. The heavens God's glory do declare. You go out on a, a star-filled night and you see all of these, these planets and, and stars and constellations in the, the, the distance. How did that all come to be? You see the pictures taken by the Hubble telescope, the astounding color and, and the different forms and visions in, in those uh, pictures. How did that all come into existence? Trillions and billions of galaxies around here. Well, God brought it into existence. The heavens declare God's glory. All you have to do is open your eyes, use your mind, and take it in. But people in their carnality want to deny that, that this all somehow came to be. It evolved, or, or it had just appeared one day. How did life start? How can life start? Just with the snap of a finger, well, it was God who created life. That's the only answer that, that, that you can use. So that's a general call. People, open your eyes, look around you, consider how this all came into existence. You know, sometimes uh, people, you know, have moments, maybe in the quiet, quietness of solitude, you know, they're, they're uh, just gave birth to a newborn baby, and they're just looking at this, this new child that has just come into existence and, and, and wondering, you know, the, the beauty of it. This life has been created now to be one of your children. And in the, the silence and in the peace of being there alone, you consider God, that this is a, a blessing from God. You know, we talk about... Uh, Zach with the terrible accident that he has and now the progress that he's making, the healing that's taking place, the restoration that's taking place in his life. And you just have to give glory to God, that God is there. He is, he's working on the situation. He's bringing him along. He's, he's giving him strength on a daily basis. I don't know, that's proof to me that God is there, that God is answering prayer. So, you know, there's a general call that is, is all around us, that God exists. And, and Paul says people are without excuse if they don't believe in God, being able to witness all that God has brought into an existence. But there's not only a general call by God to believe in him, there's also what the theologians call an effectual call. It's a direct call to follow Jesus Christ. God draws some by special revelation, by the power of the Holy, the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. So yeah, you know, I can look around at God's creation and see, man, this is different. This is beautiful. This is a wonderful place that God has, has prepared for us to, to live here. But it goes beyond that in certain cases where God intervenes personally and directly in a person's life. And I think that this is something that we have all experienced. 
You know, I've told my story before, that I was raised by my parents in the Catholic Church, and I was very thankful for my Catholic upbringing. But there came a time in my life, uh, when I was about 18, graduating from high school, that I was starting to lose touch with God. For those of you who have been to a Catholic Mass, God bless them, you know, it's wonderful, but I was getting bored. <laughs> going to the Mass, you know, every Sunday, and it was basically the same thing. And as a teenager, I can imagine what it's like today with all of the Internet and cell phones and all the distractions that, that young people have today. But I was distracted, and I started to think that things were boring. And, you know, on Sundays when my parents thought I was going to church, I just hopped in the car and went someplace else, hung out with my friends or whatever. And I was, I was straying from God. And thanks be to God, after a couple of years of that, uh, God, I think, gave me an effectual call. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, this church, this denomination, had a telecast on TV and a broadcast on the radio, and somehow I started listening to it, and it was a man challenging me about God. In these broadcasts that we had, uh, he challenged me to open my Bible and to read for myself about God, to learn about Him. And I don't know, there's something that spiked a little bit of interest in my life, and I started doing it. And it seemed to me that I started to see God in ways I had never seen Him before. He started to become real to me and important to me. Uh, he wasn't just my parents' God but he was starting to become my God. And I started reading my Bible and studying my Bible, much to the joy of my parents. They were a little confused because the Catholics didn't read the Bible all that much. And here I was studying my Bible. So uh, God started to draw me to Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just a matter of observing his creation. And I mean, his creation's beautiful and it should make you think about God. He was taking a personal role in my life, okay? It was a very personal calling. He was drawing me, he was revealing himself to me, he was helping me to read the Bible now with some understanding, and I was starting to understand what I read, and about the history of the people of Israel and Judah, and, and prophecies and things like that. And I started to enter into a personal relationship with God. I was spending more time with Him, reading His Word, praying to Him, started going to services again regularly. Uh, and His call on me became effectual. It had an effect on me, and it started to change me. And so much so that I got to the point that I had decided I wanted to be baptized again. I was baptized as a newborn infant, but I didn't remember that. I wanted to now give my life to Jesus Christ personally, and I wanted to signify that with my own baptism. And I was baptism by, baptized by immersion, and it continued on to this day today. And I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ. I love him very much. I was drawn to him personally by God the Father. And you know, sometimes I just consider that, and it blows me away. That for some reason, I was chosen by God the Father. He gave me the wherewithal to come to Jesus Christ. And you know what? The same thing has happened to you. Amen. God knows you by name. He knows you personally. And he chose you 
to come deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he provided everything that was necessary. And you know what? You needed to be drawn, and maybe in some cases dragged to Jesus Christ. Because you were in, in a position to start that process. You were in darkness, spiritually speaking. You were carnal. We all were. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. And we couldn't do it on our own. We had no desire to do it on our own. This is all of God the Father picking you personally. And you know, there's many times I ask, well, why me? I had a lot of friends who didn't kind of follow in my footsteps, and I don't even know what they're doing today. Maybe they have been called. Maybe they haven't. Why me? Why not them? What was it about me? I don't know. I don't know. I think that God starts this drawing process with you when it's the right time for you. And somehow God knows that. He knows the past, he knows the future, he knows the present, and he made a decision based on his wisdom and his knowledge that now is the time for you to be called, to be drawn to Jesus Christ, perhaps dragged to Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this process a little bit. Because I see several steps here. Let's turn to Ephesians 1 and verse 18. Ephesians 1 verse 18, because it starts with an enlightenment on your part. Something that you weren't concerned with previously, something you didn't understand previously. All of a sudden a light comes on in your mind or in your heart. Kind of an enlightenment. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 1, verse 18. He says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Because you're in darkness now, I pray that a light's going to come on in your head by God the Father in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So the first step in this drawing you to Jesus Christ is when a light goes on. Now for me, I told you, that light started to come on when I started to hear uh, Bible broadcasts and telecasts. And a man who had a particular knack to challenge people, and I think you all know who I was talking about back in the day, he said things that made me think. And he said things that made me interested. And that's the method that God used on me. Because maybe I needed a mental challenge. Maybe I needed somebody to get up in my face and question what I believed. And maybe prove what I believed. And you may have a totally different story. That light may have come on for you in a different way. But that's where it starts. Enlightenment. You're in darkness all of a sudden, a light comes on, and it, it makes you start to think and consider and question and wonder and to think more about God. Now, after enlightenment, the second step involves the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit, remember Jesus said, the Holy Spirit that is with you shall be in you. So this relationship with God, this drawing to Jesus Christ happens when the Holy Spirit now steps in and he personally engages you. He personally engages you. He personally begins to teach you. 
He personally starts to act in your life to work out circumstances where you start drawing closer to Jesus Christ. You start understanding him more. John 16, verse 8. John 16, verse 8. So it's no longer a matter of looking around at God's creation and wondering, wow, how did this come to be? There might be a God. Boy, when the Holy Spirit starts to engage you, that is direct. It's direct contact. And he's now really working with you. John 16, verse 8 says this. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit starts to do now is he's in direct contact with you is to convict you of your sin, to show you you're not that great a person as you thought you were. You know, we can always look around and and see mass murderers and see, you know, uh, people who rob banks and see, you know, dictators who uh, punish their, their citizens of their country and make life miserable. We always think, well, we're better than that. We're not as bad as that. The Holy Spirit starts to show us, yeah, you are bad. <laughs> you know, your lifestyle and your sins brought about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you, you're starting to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. He's starting to show you that, you know what? Unless you have a savior, you're doomed because of your sins. And don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he was innocent. He never sinned. But because of your sins, he died willingly to pay your death penalty. Wow. Then you really start to think. You really start to think, I need help of some kind. I'm a sinner. Uh, I have a death penalty because of my sins. I need to be rescued from this. And you start to read about Jesus and what his death on the cross meant for you personally. And you start to pay more attention. And you start to become humbled because you're not as great as you thought you were. So after God turns the light on, then the Holy Spirit engages you one-on-one. He starts to convince you of your sins, convict you, and show you that you desperately need a Savior. Now, as time goes by, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians 2, and all of a sudden, we start to understand things about God that we never understood before. We start to read his word, we start to hear his word preached, and there are some pretty deep truths that you start to understand, doctrines, things like that. And sometimes you want to engage with other people and say, hey, let me show you something that that I just learned from the Bible And they couldn't care less. Bible, what are you, some sort of a Jesus freak? Or are you some sort of crazy Christian? And, uh, you know, they back away from you. And you're desiring to understand more. You're fascinated by these things. They have a meaning for you. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, as we, we continue on in this drawing process... It says, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So you start to understand some deep things about God 
And I can remember, as I was being drawn to Jesus Christ, as this process was continuing, I was studying my Bible so much, my parents were looking at me now kind of funny, thinking, well, what has happened to our son here? And I would get in, in conversations with other people, and I'd notice them backing away. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't care about God or the things of God. And they started looking at me like I was off the deep end somehow. We begin to discern spiritual truths that never made sense to us before. And they're important to us. And we wonder sometimes, oh, wow, what is happening? Why am I interested in this? Why am I understanding this? And other people, they don't seem to care. Well, the Holy Spirit has really now started to work with you personally. First the light came on, then you were convicted of your sins, you started to understand about Jesus and who he was and why he died, and now you're starting to understand even deeper things. And finally it comes to the point in Romans 6 verse 4 where we're baptized, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, and we've been given a new heart. Now we're changing as a person. Notice what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 4. Romans 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is where you start changing in noticeable ways and people start to make comments to you. You're no fun hanging around, <laughs> hanging around you anymore. You're not the person you used to be. We used to have a lot of fun together. And now you don't want to go out to bars and you don't want to go out to, you know, uh, X-rated places. And you don't want to, you don't seem to be using that filthy language that we all used to laugh about. And, you know, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. You're a new person. That's what it's led to. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's where we all are now. We're in the process, but we've received a new heart that desires to know God, that desires to follow Him, that desires to obey Him, and to walk in this newness of life. That's the culmination of the whole process, at least now, but then our change comes when Jesus returns, and we're changed in the blink of an eye, from physical to spiritual, and we become glorified, that is the total end game of this calling, of this drawing by the Father to Jesus Christ. So it's a whole process, and we're all at different steps along the way. But it's God the Father doing the work through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, all working together for our benefit. And there have been many times where I have wondered and asked God, why me? Why now? Why am I not like a bunch of my friends are still to this day? Why have I been enlightened? Why have my eyes been opened? It's the grace of God Amen. and his decision. Amen. And I hope that sometime they have the opportunity to walk the same path. Some people do it willingly, some people do it kicking and screaming. But it's God's calling. It's God the Father. And that's how much He loves us. And that's how much He regards us. 
and we have been changed indeed from carnal to spiritual, from walking in darkness to walking in light, from the old man to the new man, however you want to look at it. So we have all been drawn to Jesus Christ by the Father. It wasn't our own cleverness. It wasn't our own intellect. It was God the Father who started it and God the Father who will see it through to the end. And there's no better place for us to be right now than in the hands of God the Father. And we can rejoice in what he has done for us through his son Jesus Christ and the workings of the Holy Spirit. So it is a process. And uh, we shouldn't judge one another or judge other people. We should pray for them that God works the same process in their life, the same drawing or dragging to salvation. It's a wonderful blessing that we've been given, we've received through God's grace, and we forever rejoice in it. Now, we're going to be having a uh, communion service. So uh, as we go to the table, and I'll dismiss the workers to go back there now, and I wonder if Ron and Sandy could help with the